This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's time to break the silence and open up the dialogue around the topics of miscarriage and baby loss. No more shame. No more taboo. Let's ditch it for the sake of our children. The ones who are, the ones who will come. And in memory of the ones who never came to be. This is the Worst Girl Gang Ever podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Worst Girl Gang Ever. We are lucky to be joined in our virtual studio by Az. Hi Az, thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's lovely to see you. Oh, go on. Tell us what, what as is short for. I'm intrigued. Oh, it's short for as a day, but literally nobody calls oh. me that. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's Everybody really... always like, oh, it's so nice. But when you're reading it and people are calling it wrong and things, it's as, it's just easier. What, how do you spell as a day? A-Z-A-D-E-H. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very nice. Very, very nice. <laughs> Welcome to our virtual studio. Thank you. Um, it's lovely to have you here. You've come to talk to us about your experiences through miscarriage. Was it this year, earlier on this year? Yes, this year, yeah. Start from the very beginning and um, yeah, tell us how you joined the gang. So we have, my husband and I, we have one daughter and we kind of, after having her, uh, there was a point where we thought we would just stick with the one I think you kind mm-hmm. of like once you have a kid and you realize actually how crazy it is I think maybe you go through a phase of like do we want any more um but then we decided we would like to try for a second um which we started doing at the end of last year and on New Year's Eve I found out I was pregnant um I was a bit on the back foot from the start because I actually didn't get a positive test until about 17 DPO um which is obviously quite late yeah and even then it was really faint so it was like what you would expect at maybe like 12 um but you know you go on the forums and things and everybody's like no it's fine it's fine um it didn't really get much darker but I didn't really have any experience with this kind of thing so I was just like you know maybe it's fine it's still saying positive so that's obviously a good sign um and then I was nearly seven weeks. I think I was like six weeks, eight when it was on a Thursday. Um, I started spotting and obviously you freak, but again, you know, it can happen. Um, and my mother-in-law was around at the time. So she, I kind of walked out the bathroom a bit shell shocked and she was like, Oh my God, what's wrong? So she was kind of the first person. I was like, I, cause she knew we were pregnant. I was like, oh, I've got some spotting. And she was like, don't panic. Um, you know, I had bleeding with one of my pregnancies, so it could be nothing. Just go upstairs and rest, basically. Um, but obviously your mind just races and you start thinking the worst and you start Googling, like, how normal is it? How much is considered a lot and what color and what consistency and blah, blah, blah. 
Um, so I just kind of lay in bed, obviously told my husband and things, just furiously scrolling my phone for any kind of like reassurance. Um, but as the day progressed, it did get heavier. So, and I obviously I'd called my midwife to, to let her know. I hadn't even had my first midwife appointment yet. So she said she could get me an appointment at the early pregnancy assessment unit, but it wouldn't be until Saturday. So I just had to kind of wait it out. And obviously they say, if you are bleeding like X amount and you're worried and you get a temperature and things like that, um, go to the hospital. So yeah, between Thursday and Saturday, it got progressively heavier. Um, there was like mild cramping as well, which again, when that started, I was like, okay, again, not, not a great sign. Um, yeah. and then my mum had actually come around on the Saturday cause that was the day we were going to tell her. Um, and I was just kind of like, look, full disclosure, I'm pretty sure I'm miscarrying. Um, and then on the morning of the appointment, I went to the loo and that's where I felt like I passed something quite substantial, like a clot or, you know, something more. So even though, even though you see all the signs, you're always kind of holding on to this, you know, maybe, maybe. But I kind of just went downstairs and was crying and was like, I think that was it. Um, yeah. But obviously you go to the hospital and, and there's still that tiny percentage isn't there that you, because it happens like rarely, I guess, but it does happen where they're like, no, you're fine. You know, everything's still intact. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, because I've heard you say on the podcast, like it's that lilac waiting room and you're, mm-hmm. you're just kind of sat there and, and they had these dividers up, I guess, from COVID and there was like, a few other people and anyway yeah so I had I had um a scan and then an internal scan and they said yeah we can see that you've you know your pregnancy isn't sort of there anymore um and they kind of give you the leaflets don't they and they you say do a test in however many days and if it's positive let us know if not then that's kind of it really like you're discharged um, yeah, that's horrendous, really, isn't it? When when you think about it, it's just a bit barbaric. See you later. Yeah, like here's your materials. I mean, I couldn't even read the leaflet. I was like, well, I I know what's happened. You know, I kind of knew before that even confirmed it. I mean, they were all. I had a really like they were all lovely and they you know were really sort of not reassuring, but they were sympathetic and and that kind of thing. Um, but I guess like admittedly, even though it was like a massive shock and like completely shook us because I know how common it is, there was almost a part of me. And I guess maybe I use this to help myself get through it. There was almost a part of me that was like, well, you kind of tick that box almost like you've had your, you know, Mm. it was likely to happen, you know, one in four, like that's kind of out the way now. And so you'll try again and then it will be fine. Hopefully. Um, Yeah, that's of bad luck all done yeah like statistically maybe that was it um and obviously because i did have one daughter so i thought well at least they i know i shouldn't be doing the at least but you do don't you like at least i know that i think you're allowed to do the at least i think that's 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 fully allowed yeah i I guess it's just whatever your brain does to kind of help you move forward yeah how old was your daughter at the time um she two and a bit so she turned two in the october and this was obviously january so it's mid-january when i started miscarrying 
She didn't really know what was what was going she, on. No, we hadn't told her. But because so she was born in 2020, so like peak COVID. And we didn't tell anyone till 12 weeks. And then it was all FaceTime and Zoom. So we literally hadn't told anyone in person. So this time we were like, oh, we won't wait. You know, why should you? We'll tell just our parents. Um, and I wanted to do like a little reveal. So I bought her like a big sister T-shirt to wear and filmed, you know, all the grandparents like opening this T-shirt. And then you feel so stupid afterwards because you're just like, why did I, who do I think I am? Some kind of like mum fluencer that's like pregnancy reveal, like with a T-shirt. And I don't know, you just, I was just like, that was just silly. Why did I do that? And I think we told them, you know, pretty much as soon as we found out, because we were like, oh, we've never told anyone in person before. Like, this is quite a new, exciting thing. Um, But yeah, so I think I kind of, that time for me, I, I wasn't, I mean, even like with my daughter, it took it took me a while to connect to the fact that it was a human baby, I think, until you kind of almost like, I don't know, find out the gender or like can see a baby on a scan, you're kind of like almost a bit disconnected. Um, so that time I definitely, it was for me, like it was a pregnancy loss. Like that was how I saw it rather than like, the loss of a child, I guess, because it was in my mind so early, I hadn't made the connection or really believed, you know, that it was happening myself. Um, So then when we got pregnant, we got pregnant again straight away, which we were really, again, excited about, but nervous. Um, And we, yeah, because we didn't have a cycle in between, obviously it's harder to date, but I've been tracking ovulation and all that kind of thing. So I had a vague idea. And the tests were much clearer this time. I tested longer. They were progressing. So I felt a lot more relaxed. But you just, you it's not the same as when, if you haven't had a loss, you just feel that like, oh, everything is like, what was that? What was that? Oh. Mm. Um, but I had symptoms. I felt symptoms. So I hadn't really felt any symptoms the first time. This time I felt quite nauseous, really, really tired. So every day that I woke up feeling rubbish, I was like, thank God, like, I feel yeah. awful, hooray. Mm. Um, and then again, so we were kind of guesstimating, but around what I was guessing was around seven weeks, um, my symptoms just disappeared. And again, you know, you go start Googling and I text my midwife and I was asking other friends and everybody was saying they can come and go. Um, and I was like, maybe I'm just extremely lucky and I've only had to feel nauseous for seven weeks. And But they didn't come back. Um, and we actually had a private scan booked um, for what we would assume was around eight or nine weeks. Again, just to like make sure everything was fine, probably help us date it. Um, so, yeah, two weeks before that, my symptoms disappeared and never came back. I was obviously really worried, but I was trying to just be like, it could be nothing. Um, carried on with life, waited till the scan. Um, and then, yeah, it's just when you have a scan like that, it's just so instantly the atmosphere in the room just changes. Like it's like almost like palpable. Um, so they weren't saying anything. And usually they say like within a few seconds, they're kind of like, okay, so I don't know. They point something out or say something. And they weren't saying anything. I was, I was looking at my husband. I was just shaking my head because I just was like, I can tell she's not, you know, seeing what she needs to be seeing. 
So she said, okay, I'm just going to ask you to empty your bladder so we can do an internal scan. Um, and then, yes, she said, she confirmed. So she said, by your calculations, you should be around eight or nine weeks. Um, so we have found something. It's measuring more towards six weeks and there's no heartbeat. Um, so that was obviously like, just felt like your world is caving in, just hearing those words. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then she said, cause it was a private scan. She had to book me into the hospital. So had to go back there two days after that. But I remember something that just stuck with me. So like, so vividly is walking out of that private scan out onto the street. And there was a mum pushing a pram with a toddler and holding a toddler's hand and had a baby in the pram. And I was just, my husband was like propping me up and I was just sobbing on his shoulder and we, we caught each other's eye and she just gave me this look that was just like, it's so hard to explain. Like she was obviously like, Oh my God, looked sad mm-hmm. for me. Cause I was crying. And also that look of just like, Oh, it was, it's yeah, it was literally just a second, but it was like so devastating and then a little bit reassuring and a little bit just like, yeah, the timing of it was just, it's just stuck in my memory. Um, but yeah, so I hadn't like had any bleeding or any cramps or anything. So went to the hospital scan two days later, they confirmed the same thing of what the private scan had said about how it was measuring and that there's no heartbeat. So they were like, you need to come back in 10 days. Um, You will obviously maybe start to lose it in that time. If not, we'll have to see if we're going to intervene. And 10 days is like a really long time because even though they'd said, yeah, we can confirm there's no heartbeat in this and that, it still wasn't like, yeah, you know, you've definitely miscarried or yeah, this is the end of it. You know what I mean? Because you've not had any bleeding or any cramps, it's like, it's this weird limbo where you're kind of like, I'm still pregnant, but with not like a viable pregnancy. And so they were just like, you should carry on as if you're pregnant basically. And we had like a wedding and things. So I was like, well, I'm not going to drink and, you know, but I'm not going to tell anyone. So I'm going to pretend to drink and like, Oh, yeah, the longest 10 days of my life, basically. Racing is so hard, isn't it? It's the lack of control you have in that time. Like, no one can really tell you anything, and there's nothing you can do to, to help or speed it along or slow it down, or you just have to literally count the days. Yeah, and I guess you knew your the dates of ovulation, so you were pretty set on your dates, and you must have thought, well this doesn't add up, this can't be, yeah. this can't be good. But yeah, exactly. there's that, that little bit of hope. Always. Always. So yeah, they and were like, oh, maybe you, you know, you're not as far along as you think. And I was like, yeah, maybe. But then again, you think miracles happen every day. Like I'm not bleeding. Like I haven't, maybe, yeah. So, but anyway, in that time, um, the, the night after this wedding we'd been to, actually, I was at my mother-in-law's house again. <laughs> and um, in the middle of the night, I woke up this time with like really painful cramps. Um, almost like I, I said to my husband, it almost felt like like very early stages of labor when you're not sure if you're contracting, but it feel, it's like that kind of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like on the toilet, like 
quite distressed. Um, he was like, do we need to go to hospital? Like, I don't know. And I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Um, and again, while on the toilet, I'm in the in-laws house, which I struggle to go into to this day now, um, passed something more even so substantial than the first time that felt like it was really something. And again, I just kind of knew that was it. And then I just, just instinctively like got up to flush the toilet and I just said goodbye. And I almost kind of surprised, like out loud, I almost kind of surprised myself. Um, but I was just like, I know that that was it kind of thing. And yeah, so that, that definitely felt like more of a connection to like a something. <laughs> um, mm. So yeah, and then I just flushed. Um, and I know I, again, after listening to podcasts, I heard a lot of people that like, you know, try and fish things out of the loo. And I afterwards kind of like, oh, I wish I'd thought to do that. But I think at the time you're just so like, okay, well, that's it. Yeah, now. Well, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, then again, we we told parents, so had to then go back to all our parents. And I, I say all because my husband's parents are divorced, so there's like two sets of them. Um, and say, yeah, it's happened again. Um, and then I think, yeah, once it's happened like that back to back, that's when my brain started to go into like something, something must be wrong. Like what are the odds it could just be bad luck both times like what if this you know what if this is it what if you don't you don't get this future that you've decided that you want now or yeah and I, I I'm I'm 38 so I I knew that like I couldn't <laughs> mentally or physically probably go through it again I think I I don't know where I was from the second one I was in a really like dark place and you know, the NHS say that like you have to have three in a row with the same partner before we can, I know that's hopefully changing soon, um, before we can do anything. But I was just like, I don't, I don't know if I could like handle going through this again. So the warriorship, we wanted to come and tell you a little bit about it, didn't we, Bex? And in case you're already going, why? We don't want to know about a fucking ship. The Warriorship is our online membership for warriors in this community. It's packed full of stuff. So we just want to tell you about some of the stuff. All of the content from all of the courses that we ever run is in the Warriorship. So there's loads to get your teeth into. And we are also developing modules for what happens after. But not only that, we've also got a ton of educational workshops running once a month in the coming months we have got body positivity workshop gratitude workshop and loads 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 more and on top of that we also have a resident mental health specialist and on top of that if if that wasn't enough there's 13 events every month and there's stuff popping up all the time as well that other people are organizing that you can be a part of so it really is Thriving, And all you have to do is head to the link in our bio or visit our website and you can be a part of this too. We'd love to see you there. And I think the craziest part is that like, the world just continues and you just have to kind of get on with your life. And Yeah, that is really, really hard. 
Did, how were friends and family? How how was your so daughter? family was great. Um, I I then I then was like, well, you know, I kind of like I said, I I my job I work with a lot of families, young families, like babies, children. So I, for my own sanity, had to kind of like take a step back from work, take a step back from my whole work social media feed is all babies, pregnancies, mothers. Um, I had to kind of really take a step back from that. And so I was like, well, I'm going to have to explain to friends and things um, why they might not hear from me or why, I don't know. And um, nobody really knew we were trying. So I was like, well, I'm not going to go around and individually text everyone like, by the way, I just had two miscarriages. So I put a post out on social media, um, partly because I just wanted to kind of let everybody know, by the way, this is what we're going through. And also because I just had all these similar to what I think you said, you wrote a Facebook post. I just had all these feelings that I was like, I almost just need to get them into an order for myself as well yeah. and get them out. Um, so yeah, I put a post on social media about them, about the fact that I'd miscarried twice in four months or whatever it was. And, um, yeah, everybody was great. I mean, so many people even came up the woodwork that I'd never knew and been like, yeah, same, like it's happened to me. I relate to this, like, and that just made me even more like want to talk about it because I'm like, I was listening to your podcast like in bed at night, almost like before going to sleep. And um, my husband was a bit like, because I get emotional sometimes and cry and things. And he was like, oh, are you sure it's like the best thing for you to be doing to like almost like immerse yourself in this world of like loss and grief. And I was like, I know it sounds crazy, but it just makes me feel better to know that like other people go through it all the time and like it's it's not like you know I don't know it's just that you're not alone and it's it's like something people don't talk about or a bit ashamed to talk about and I guess it's down to the individual but it just made me think like it needs to be something that is spoken about way more openly and with way less of a taboo and yeah weirdly you know hearing other people's stories and on Facebook groups and things, it does make you feel better <laughs> in a way. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I was like, well, I want to share my story because other people's stories have helped me. Maybe my adding my story will help someone else. Mm. Yeah. I think that's the good thing about podcasts is that you don't have to interact with it. You, you can immerse yourself and you can hear you can find out that you're not alone without having to actually verbalize your own struggles and your own experiences. But how did your husband cope with all of this? So you, you were listening to the podcast to, to find, to find that, um, that thing to help you through. What? Yeah. So I actually, I sort of said, Oh, you, you know, you should listen to it. Um, Maybe it might be helpful or maybe there's one that's like, you know, one for husbands or dads or whatever. Um, he, I mean, he was really good. I think he, he's quite, he has quite like a busy, stressful job. So I think he kind of just threw himself into work a bit um, and was obviously trying to be there for me as much as possible. Um, and he, he's quite an emotional person. Like he'll cry in front of people like he doesn't care. Um and so, yeah, when we at the scans and things, he 
got upset and things, but I think for the rest of it, he was, cause I was just, I mean, after the second time, I was just basically in bed, just crying all the time or like I wouldn't be. And then he'd walk into the room and I'd suddenly burst into tears. So I think he was really holding it together for me or like getting upset in private. Um, but weirdly, like if somebody else is upset around me, I I almost snap out of like my upsetness to yeah. feel I need to like make them feel better. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's almost a bit of a blur now because that they all kind of bleed into one and, you know, I, I just feel like I was pregnant for kind of so long. Like I said in my social media post, I feel like I've been pregnant for so long with nothing to show for it, mm. which is such a weird, a weird place to be. Um, but yeah, I just, I've always found like un- unloading by talking or writing or expressing has always made me feel better for whatever, you know, whatever it is. Even if at the time I think I don't want to talk about this or I don't want to go into this. Once I do, it's always like a weight lifted off. Yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously as, as a listener, I just thought, well, maybe somebody will hear mine and it will make them feel a little bit, a little bit better that day kind of thing. <clears throat> That's lovely. And so, so where are you now as <clears throat> in your journey? Um, so I'm, I am actually pregnant at the moment. Wow. 22 weeks. Okay. So. And congratulations to you. Thank you. Yeah. So I didn't, we didn't try again straight away. We had a break. Um, we'd had, we had a holiday booked and things. So it was the timing of that was helpful. Cause it was like, I'm just going to go on holiday and not think about, you know, testing kits and what have you and whatever, just forget about it. And then when I feel ready, um, we'll try again. <laughs> and actually I, because I was so scared to miscarry again, I was very lucky to be in the position with the help of family. I actually went to see a private consultant um, to try and figure out, you know, is there something wrong? Should I not try again yet? Should I wait? Like just so I could put myself in the best place or be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had blood tests, ultrasounds and things like that, which I feel very lucky to have been able to do and in a very privileged privileged position to be able to do that because it's not cheap um and everything came up fine apart from um my blood test flagged something called um lupus anticoagulant which is something to do with like the viscosity of your blood and it could potentially affect how it travels to the uterus and things like that um so i got i'm taking daily blood thinning injections and um, low dose aspirin for that um, and yeah so touch wood obviously <laughs> so far mm-hmm. everything's going as it should um, but yeah the anxiety in the beginning I mean counting down to every scan every appointment like I, I feel like I, I was playing with my daughter and I think I kind of pulled a bit of a muscle or something and I instantly freaked and was like oh, I've done something I've done something you know, had to call the midwife, go in, get checked. But yeah, obviously every kind of week that goes by, you you feel yourself relaxing a bit, but then 
things going through my head like well you know you could lose it at 20 whatever weeks you could you, it could be born stillborn like it could, like all this stuff that just never lets you just enjoy well at least you, you know you're pregnant again mm. um once you know that this world exists and that people lose babies you can't really shake it and i was the same all my losses were in the first trimester but in my successful pregnancy, I had no reason to think that there, anything would go wrong late in pregnancy, judging by my history, but mm. just couldn't shake it until he was there in my arms. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I feel. I won't I won't be 100% like it's fine until they're in my mm. arms. Um, and yeah, it, I just, what makes me angry is just the lack of information, the lack of just like, why do I have to go through something so traumatic, like X amount of times before somebody will tell me if there's something wrong or help me look at, I mean, considering you're literally like repopulating the population, like <laughs> it should be like at the top of like priority lists. Like, yeah. So it's, it's frustrating. And uh, I'm using my like work platform to be very open about loss and miscarriage and things like that because I just think it should be like, sorry to use the word normalized, but it should be part of, a, of an everyday conversation. And even like fertility issues, I know so many friends that have struggled and, you know, IVF and this and that. And it's always very just like a bit cloak and dagger, a bit hush hush. And yeah, I think if it was men, <laughs> men having the babies, it would be a different, a different scenario. Yeah, or, or women running the country. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's um, sorry. I always think it's mad. Like I've used this example a couple of times, but how you know it does need to be part of normal conversation. And to such a people are going through it to such a level that we went camping a few years ago, and there was we camped in a sort of pod with four other couples, and three of those couples had either had a miscarriage or experiencing infertility. Mm. Three out of four plus me, who just <clears throat> it was when girl gang was very new. And I just thought this is like if it was conversational, then I I don't know about you guys, but the bond of people within this community is so strong and so supportive and so kind and generous in its um, giving yeah. that if we did talk about it conversationally. If it was part of you know the school school mum chat or or you know talk in the workplace, then people would know where to go for that support straight away. And people wouldn't have that. Yes, they'd still have the pain and the grief, but they wouldn't have that unbelievably painful isolation, feelings of isolation, just feeling like you're the only person in the world that feels that way. And and then questioning yourself and your sanity and your confidence and your where you belong within society. And if you knew that X, Y, and Z people who you are part of your life had already been through it, you'd already start off with a, a springboard into how to recover because that's what we do, isn't it? We look at other people to see what they've done mm -hmm. and we call bits that work for us and leave behind the bits that are more individual to them. And that is all any of us can do. So by not talking about it and by not sharing about it and not making it conversational, we're not only denying ourselves the opportunity to, to grow and grieve unapologetically, we're denying it for the people that are still to come we're denying it for the people yeah. even thinking about having children yet that's that's the, they're the people that are really going to struggle with this continuing taboo 
But it and it's so help it's so helpful to be able to talk about these things conversationally without that sort of attached shame and isolation and privacy. It's yeah, I think it's really important. Yeah, I mean, I would even go so far as to say, you know, when you're learning in school about reproduction and periods and pregnancy and like, oh, you know, just be careful because this is how you get pregnant and this is what happens. Like, mm. but also this can happen, and you know. I feel that strongly as well. My, I have a uh, a son who is now nearly 13. Um, and he, just when we started this, he was doing sex education in year six. And he asked his teacher when they were going to cover miscarriage. Oh, wow. He said, we're not, James. And he said, but why? And she said, because it's too sad. And wow. he came home and he said, he said, mom, I told them about the worst girl gang ever and um how important it is and i was like yes Amazing. but at the same time like how many other children in his class have got mums who are going through that or aunties that are going through that or mm. friends of the family that are going through that and how helpful would it be if they can take that information back home to their parents and say oh um james's mum had a miscarriage and you know she's done this and and this is how we should be talking to you know, because we've missed a generation of, like, we've missed so many generations, obviously. But how great would it be to teach our children in school, teach the kids who are kids now in school, how to support adults and how to give that information on in order yeah. for us to support each other who've missed that educational level of of, of knowledge and awareness about how this t- topic should be tackled. I think it's so important to, to educate on this at, at an earlier stage because it normalises it. It's a shit yeah, exactly. to normalise but it's so essential that it is. Yeah. And I think the teacher's reaction really says a lot about, it's almost more that you don't want to make other people uncomfortable. You don't want to, like, you might be fine talking about it, but then you're like, Ooh, I don't want to, I don't want to put a downer on the convo. I don't want to make it awkward. It's like, you're worried about the effect it will have on other people Mm. making them too sad or whatever. Um, Sadder if they go through it and they don't know that there's support out there for them. Exactly. And I get it's scary. Of course, it's scary, and you don't want you don't want to go into a pregnancy worrying that it's it's not going to end with a baby, you know, coming home. But at the same time, isn't it more important to go into a pregnancy knowing that that support's there if that does happen? Yeah, you know, because and having all the having all the information, like I don't know, you know, you could get into a car and you could crash. Like you're prepared for all kinds of like horrible things to happen. Um, yeah. yeah, you don't want to walk around your whole pregnancy being like, but I feel like you're like that anyway, in a way. I feel like all women start off thinking they're either infertile or going to miscarry. Yeah. But then they're not informed enough or, you know, they don't know the supports there to really kind of understand it. Yeah, I always think it's like, I, I don't know if I've ever shared this analogy with you, Bex. I always think it's like running the marathon. So. Oh, you're talking to someone who has run a marathon, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. I never have, so. <laughs> people sign up for the marathon, don't they? Some people never get to the start of the race. They're the people who do the training and then they get injured. That's the infertility people, okay? And wow. then when you are running the marathon, people drop out all throughout because of injury or needing a poo or whatever it may be. But that's how I see it. You go into the marathon knowing that X amount of people don't finish it, people get injuries. And yeah, I feel like it's similar with a pregnancy. 
And but just because you don't, just be, it doesn't stop you from entering. Exactly. If you, if you really fucking want to ma- run a marathon, it won't stop you from entering. Knowing those statistics won't stop you from entering. Exactly. Boom. But I, I think it's so. People say, oh, I don't want to be, you know, I don't, we don't want to scare people. We don't want to, it's too sad to talk about. But the people who are going to go on and have a healthy baby, like being scared, being slightly anxious about the getting pregnant stuff is not going to make any difference to the outcome of your pregnancy. Exactly. But being, going into that pregnancy, blindly assuming that everything is going to be fine will completely break you in terms of what to do where to go how to find your support if it's not fine and if it's not going to be fine it's it's never going to be fine you know it's yeah it's worse for is it worse to be slightly afraid when going into pregnancy in case something goes wrong or is it is it better to be well informed when something goes wrong and i know that if you're if you go into a pregnancy anxious and everything ends out fine and you come home with a living baby then that's fucking way better way (laughs) that's that's the brilliant stuff you can yeah. about all the shit that you might have been anxious about going into the pregnancy but yeah. for those who have the absolute devastation of loss during pregnancy they're the ones who this shit is for they're yeah. the ones who need that this is where you go this is what you do if the worst case things happen if you know we've got you and and we're here for you and and that's that's who this is for forget forget the ones who have complication free pregnancies and go on and bring the baby home and stuff because this isn't for them Mm. it's the ones who need it and I just think that is so important when considering things like telling kids at school and um, making sure that everyone has the right amount of information as they go into pregnancy it's it's Mm -hmm. essential in in my view and and I think to deny people that is denying their fucking uh, um, intelligence that won't take me a long time to think about ironic (laughs) I really (laughs) denying them their own intelligence to be able to like rationalise and stuff and I just think that's mental yeah and then you like you say you're so in the dark and then you're you're you know once you've gone through it you're not in a position to kind of go right okay let me who do I need to speak to what you're just kind of blindly going along and maybe you don't advocate for yourself or maybe you don't ask the questions that you would have asked if you were a bit more prepared and Mm. yeah I, I totally agree it's like taking away the autonomy to maybe just be more informed and don't know be in a better, slightly, slightly better place rather than just blindsided and not know where to turn. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you got that passionate rant off your chest, Bex. <laughs> I had a couple this morning. I think I've got stuff going on underneath yeah, this. one, you were like raising your voice at us. <laughs> it was great. I love it. It's like a revolution. Yeah. Starting the revolution. You need to but- make your sign, like a picket line sign. <laughs> What, just for the podcast? Yeah, and no, just, just, just to have in the background. <laughs> we want more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, Az, thank you so much for joining us. It's lovely to chat to you. And it's been uh, really great. Thank you. And and good luck with the rest of your pregnancy. Keep us keep us posted. Thank you so much. Yeah, I will do. Yeah, all the best. Thanks. Yeah, have a lovely <laughs> And you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Look after yourself. Bye. And you. Bye.